Welcome to Forward. Educate yourself on the new world. The podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance with your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Real chiropractic talk. No rainbows, no unicorns. Start putting in the work. The biggest names in the industry. The legends, the innovators, the up-and-comers. This is the podcast for progressive DCs. So buckle up. Passion is the feeling you have that you would probably do this for free and you can't believe somebody pays you to do it. Okay, everybody, welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. I'm your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. And before we get to our special guest today, I want to get through some housekeeping items. Of course, we talk about our sponsors because they support this podcast. They support the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. And hey, our sponsors are cool. We vet them. We make sure that they actually have good things to offer you instead of junk. So please show them some respect and give them some of your attention. Um, The one that demands, of course, a tremendous amount of your attention is the American Chiropractic Association. They are our hands-on partner and they have uh, raised their standards of membership, insisting on evidence-based care and working hand-in-hand with other healthcare professionals. You can visit aca.today.org backslash join to find out more about how joining the ACA can benefit you and your practice. And see if the promo code still works. Maybe they forgot to shut it off. FTCA is the promo code that can save you some money on your membership if you're not an ACA member yet. Hey, but you know, you should be already, but I won't even go there right now. The next sponsor that we want to get to is Pain Zone. Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening on some sort of device. It's not coming to you by pterodactyl or two cans and a string. Uh, If it's your phone or a computer or whatever, go to ipainzone.com, do the thing with the thing, give them your name, get the free samples. They've got a new cream, a long-lasting cream that's going to get the job done for you, but you won't know until you try it out. So go to ipainzone.com, get that free sample, and then you'll understand why I wanted them to be sponsors of this podcast so much. Um, Speaking of which... When we come to people that I would want to sponsor so much, Parker Seminars, uh, they have this really cool event, but it's coming up really quick, so you got to act fast. May 4th, 2019, and we're going off the script here because Parker hasn't even mentioned this to me to talk to you about. So this is just like a little bit of, it's not even a sponsorship commercial, it's an events update. Parker Seminars is having their spring strength sessions in Dallas, Texas at their campus. Um... It's got continuing education available for trainers and DCs. It's uh, an educational seminar for coaches and trainers, chiropractors as well. There's going to be multi-tiered competition for both pros and amateurs and an expo area filled with vendors that support the strength and fitness lifestyle. It looks really, really cool. It's got uh, an educational seminar portion. It's got functional trials. similar to some of these other events that are multimodal in their approach to competition for fitness. There's also a great looking obstacle course that you can run through a couple times. And then if you want to bring the kids and the family, you can do that too. So check that one out at uh, Parker Seminars. Uh, I found most of my information just by searching spring strength, spring strength sessions for Parker on Facebook. 
but definitely check that one out. And if you're in the Dallas area, Oklahoma, all those places, you might want to come in and be part of this one. It it's, it's, looks really, really cool. Uh, one more sponsor that we want to discuss is the Miracle Wave, Advanced Musculoskeletal Therapies, Shockwave Therapy. If, you've, uh, if you're looking for answers to tendinopathies, and soft tissue type injuries, acoustic shockwave therapy can be the answer for you. You just got to check it out by giving Mary Edna and Gerard a call or contacting them at info at themiraclewave.com. You can call them at 770-612-8245. And you can check out the Miracle Wave device itself at themiraclewave.com. So those are our updates. I've got two personal updates too that I take personally. One is that Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance itself has a huge event coming up in September of 2019. It is Forward 2019. It is our annual convention. We're going to be having it at Logan University. You can check out uh, information about this event at our website, forwardthinkingchiro.com. And uh, it's going to be huge. Our keynote speaker, Gray Cook, we're going to have Christine Gertz speaking. Uh, in addition to Dr. Gertz, we're going to have Annie O'Connor, who's a physical therapist who co-wrote a book called A World of Hurt, and uh, Brett Winchester, who's been on the podcast. He's a great chiropractor. Brandon Steele. I mean, the list of people who are going to be there presenting is is um, probably too long for me to go through through this podcast, but there will also be a student exposition and food and TED Talks and uh, cocktail parties and all that great stuff. And of course, lots and lots of continuing, ed- continuing education hours for you. It's, it's a must attend. We're going to put this thing so big on the map that everybody knows every year you've got to attend uh, the forward event. So check that out, that one out. The other one that I have for you West coasters who are listening, me and my good friend, Dr. Kevin Christie, who operate the chiropractic success Academy together Uh, yourcsacircle.com. We are going to have a summer retreat. It's coming up in June, at the end of June. And you can also check out that on the events page of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic website, forwardthinkingchiro.com. At our summer retreat, we are going to be discussing automation. Did I even say that right? I don't know. And outsourcing and scaling your practice. We are going to have Dr. Aaron Jorgensen, who's a great PI doctor, show you some ethical and successful ways to navigate the PI landscape. Dr. Josh Satterley is going to talk about how to uh, build and then build a successful rehab-based practice. And, uh, and we are going to be breaking out and talking about different approaches and goals to help you meet your practice, whether you're a newbie, middle of the road, middle career practitioner, or somewhere towards the end of your career practicing, because you do not want to get into business without some sort of plan for how to get out of it. And that's one of the themes of our Success Academy, including we are going to go see the Portland Timbers play some soccer uh, and for you uh, overseas listeners, that's football, right? We're going to be doing that together as well. So we're going to have some good times together. I heard there's a lot of fishing lined up as well. My guest on today's podcast is Dr. Robert Newhaven. He's a 2010 National University of Health Sciences graduate. He has over a thousand hours of postgraduate coursework and 
operates an entity called moduseducation.com. He loves to practice what he preaches. He is got continuing education certifications in ART, McKinsey, kinesio taping. He's a GRIP certified practitioner, DNS, and MoveNet, and on and on and on. So he's definitely extended his education well beyond chiropractic college. And we're going to share some of those ideas and some of his courses today on the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You may know me as your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. I am here with Dr. Bob Newhaven. It's two Dr. Bobs in one comfy little shell called the podcast. Uh, you just heard his intro, and we're here to talk about uh, Pillars of Manual Medicine is an event that he's going to be putting on, and we'll get into all those details and the importance of that event. And then, uh, actually, we have no idea what we're going to talk about. And we've never talked to each other before, so who knows where this can go. Um, so stay tuned. Dr. Bob, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dr. Bob. <laughs> where, where are you from? Where do you live? So I practice in northwest Indiana, which is basically a Chicago suburb. And uh, I went to school at National uh, Lombard, Illinois, and my wife's a Chicagoan, so we stayed here. Yeah, the fruit did not fall far from the tree there, did it? No, nope, my wife was not leaving, which is <laughs> totally fine. I'm, I'm cool with it, right? Happy wife, happy life. Uh, what does your wife do? My wife actually works for my healthcare company now. She yeah. kind of does, manages the finances and just makes things run smoothly. Did you meet her in uh, chiropractic college? I did not. I met her in undergrad and uh, my senior year and First time I met her, she sat on my lap and asked me what I was going to be when I grew up. And I said, a chiropractor. And she said, well, I'm going to marry you then because I love my chiropractor. Look at you, player. player, player what do you know? <laughs> yep, um, I, I went full force at that one at that point. Because a lot of like uh, college chiropractic, chiropractic college students will interview me and they always, you know, what's the advice? What do I need to know? What, what little tip can you give me? And one of them I always give them is... Uh, don't practice in a state that has a chiropractic college in it. And if, and if you're in California, uh, take that to the extreme since there's four there, you know. And they look at me and they sort of laugh. And I go, no, that's how it is, man. You'll meet somebody and you'll fall in love because you're right at that age when you're in chiropractic college where you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And you meet somebody there who obviously either lives there or is working there or whatnot. And... Uh, the next thing you know, you're setting up shop just like everybody else a couple blocks away from the college. Yep. And, you know, a lot of my other friends stayed around this area as well. And, you know, that's fine. That uh, Chicago is a, a big area. So lots of room for opportunity. It, it does have its advantages because then you do, uh, for instance, when I first graduated, I went off to a place that was just um, very chiropractic isolated. I was on an island. Many people know what I'm talking about when I say I was on an island. And you did not have a sense of community amongst your colleagues. And then uh, I did come back to Portland, Oregon, which has a chiropractic college. And I do feel a sense of community amongst my colleagues. Out on the island, everyone wanted to rip each other's hair out and rip their throats out here. It's everyone seems to help each other the best they can. So there are different scenarios where it's good and bad. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if, if I hadn't stayed around Chicago, you know, I wouldn't have met guys like Robert Lardner, Bill Tortorello, uh, Ben Fergus. And so me staying in this area was, you know, in a way what helped kind of shape who I am as a practitioner today. What else shaped you? How did you get into this, this uh, rehabilitation focus, DNS, um, this area of rehab and moving into performance and all these other elements that are, um, they're not unique to chiropractic, but they're, you, you have to have a special calling to, to do it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, I've always been an athlete, um, you know, basketball, track field. Uh, and then when I got into Cairo school, uh, I started taking continuing ed and I did acupuncture to start with, you know, which I thought was cool and is great. And, uh, and then I tore my ACL actually playing pickup basketball in, uh, you know, like a local league, a guy clipped me and I blew out my left ACL and, uh, I rehabbed through one of the clinicians at national, Dr. Tom Selecki. And, um, they did a hamstring graft on me and I was back you know, running and playing basketball in three months. And they actually ended up uh, publishing the case study on me, I think in the, in JMPT, but one of the journals. And uh, at that point, I was really just, you know, smitten with rehab. And I started diving in and taking a bunch of, you know, Motion Palp and uh, McKenzie. And, and then, um, you know, I ended up having a little small right inguinal hernia, which if you go to the research, there is little to nothing on how to rehab a hernia, by the way. That's true. Everything is surgery or nothing. And I just thought, that, well, that can't be the only option. And so uh, I was referred to Dr. Fergus, who was in student clinic at the time. And, you know, within a month, I was running pain-free with, you know, nothing, no pain, you know. And since then, I just kind of took off. And he used a lot of DNS with me at the time. And, you know, I've just kind of dove in ever since then. For the uninitiated, in your own words, your own interpretation, can you break down what DNS is and what DNS is not? DNS stands for Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization. Um, and for me, it's uh, a system of evaluation and rehabilitation that is primarily based on developmental kinesiology, which is basically how we developed from being a baby. And so we use a lot of, we talk a lot about um, using your diaphragm and your pelvic floor, different ways of breathing, different ways of stabilizing. And, you know, I found it very helpful with rehab, but also for sports performance, just to really maximize uh, efficiency. And so for me, one of the key elements is movement efficiency. And so, you know, I don't know if I can necessarily say for me one thing that DNS is not, but for me, there's a lot of things that it is. Uh, from what I hear with a lot of people who might just take some, uh, like maybe first their first DNS course or a, a small exposure course to the concepts and the ideas, is they you know of course they're they're overwhelmed as anyone would be with new material, new content. Uh, but what would you lend to this idea that I hear a lot that it is very hard to implement? Yeah. So my first course that I took was at a DNS symposium that Ben Fergus put on in Skokie Evanson area, uh, 
years ago. And my first course was DNSA and it was a lot of new information to me and I really had no clue what was going on. And it took me many more courses in several years. I think it was at about the two to two and a half year mark where the light bulb finally clicked for me. And um, so that's why for me, what I recommend people who want to get into DNS and I get the question a lot is, you know, I've heard the same thing. Where do I start? And I highly suggest that people start with the exercise courses. You know, for me, once you, once you have a basic understanding of some of the exercises and, you know, how to use them and what position, what kind of positions and conditions you like to use them for, when you add all the clinical background and the knowledge and the mechanics behind it, it makes a lot more sense rather than if you start the other way. See, there's something new. There's something no one else has said before. And we just got started. That's pretty good. Um, how about this scenario? What does an average, so we'll take an average patient, just any sort of average condition you'd see on any given day and run through what they would experience in your office. Because so some we, people think that they can just add DNS to their regular chiropractic regimen. We're going we're gonna to do some soft tissue work. We're going to do some adjusting. And now we're going to come on over here and do a little DNS. Is it like that or is it a little different? Uh, no, it's, I would say pretty similar to that. So uh, my last patient of the day today was about a 20 to 25-minute appointment. Uh, she came in. I did a quick range of motion. I did a little quick evaluation. So for me, I use DNS, some of the positions, as both evaluation but also exercise. Um, so once I evaluated her, I did an adjustment, uh, did some joint mobilization. I did a little bit of soft tissue work. Uh, I also am a big fan of Michael Shacklock's work in the neurodynamics. So I did a little bit of um, you know, nerve, neural mobilization, and then we finished up with a couple DNS positions uh, just to basically improve the, the motor control and her brain's awareness of what I was asking of it. And then I chose one thing to send her home with. Perfect. That was it. So people don't have to change their whole practice style. No. And you know what I did early on in the road that you can never turn back from. Yeah. And what I did early on was I chose, I asked this question to a lot of people, um, a lot of my mentors, Brett Winchester, Robert Lardner. And so kind of the feedback that I got was start with one position and use it until you feel like you're pretty good at it and then choose another one. And that worked really well for me. So I used to choose a position a week. And so I started out with three months supine. And I just did that on everybody all week, no matter what their complaint was. And so it also got me thinking outside the box a little bit. So the three months supine position, which for those of you who don't know, is basically a squat on your back. Uh, I use it a ton for shoulder impingement and shoulder rehab, which is not what a lot of people would think. Yeah, well, well I, I'm over here shaking my head because I do that too. But <laughs> but, I, <laughs> yeah, but like I'm that. trying to play devil's advocate here and think of of uh, what people who don't know would do. And and yeah, that makes sense that most people would not be going there for their shoulder because you know if you look at the 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 patients we receive from PT doing the linear tubing type exercises, you know that that thought process hasn't been inserted into the into the game plan. Yeah, just uh, you know they haven't many times treatment has yet to be individualized for a client. And so I find for me that 
DNS and depending on the position and the complaint, I can really, really personalize and tailor any given approach or exercise for any given patient. And did you, when, when, did, when did you start throwing your hat into the events arena, Put staging events, putting on educational events for other doctors, things of that nature? Yeah, well, a couple of years ago. So I think it was maybe 2017. So I'm pretty new to it, honestly. But I had read Shacklock's work and I saw that he, at the time he was really only coming to the West Coast and maybe the East Coast. And it had been a long time since he had been to the Midwest. And it got to the point where I was like, well, if nobody else is going to do it. I'm just going to make it happen. And I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, mate, let's do it. And so we did it. Great. Uh, now we're going to have to get very specific in the promotion and discussion of pillars of manual medicine. How did this idea come about? Was this your idea? Was this just conversation and someone as well, someone had to do it. So you're there. Yeah, it was more, I would say it was not my idea. It was more me being a part of conversations at, you know, DNS classes. Um, and then with really with Michael Shacklock and the neurodynamics courses, you know, I've got an opportunity to take courses with, you know, Kairos and PTs and PTAs. And, you know, it's got brought up a lot how, you know, we, we learn a lot of techniques, but we don't necessarily learn how to, how and when to apply it. And those the, like really kind of the case studies and the clinical discussions are something that uh, aren't always had. And Michael said in Australia, he's like, I could call an orthopedic surgeon up and say, hey, I want to talk about a patient. Can I come over for lunch? And they'll say, yeah, absolutely. Where that's not as common here. And so, you oh, know. It's common. Started, that's a unicorn in a field of four-leaf clovers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he said it's, it's regular practice down there for him. And so, you know, we started talking about, well, okay, well, what's another, you know, option or another avenue to make that happen? And he's like, well, I, re you know, I reckon if we get three or four different techniques and, and practitioners together, we can really just kind of talk about, you know, how, when, and why we would each use the technique. And, you know, hopefully the idea here is we're, we're maximizing our efficiency with our patients is, you know, for me, that's kind of what this comes out to is, you know, not just the how to do the technique, but the why and the when. Like when would you choose nerve mobilization over, um, you know, a joint mobilization or when would you choose fascial work over a movement driven approach and vice versa? So who did you assemble for the pillars of manual medicine? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> uh, Michael Shacklock of neurodynamics, we Very have good. Shirley Sarman of movement system impairment syndromes and you know Shirley's a pretty big name in the PT but for those of you Kairos who don't know you know she is basically who started the WashU PT program which is typically number one in the country most years so pretty epic from what I hear I have yet to see one of her lectures but I'm looking forward to it <laughs> we also have uh, Chris Showalter who's head of Maitland Australian Physiotherapy Seminars um, and uh, I got hooked up with Chris through another Maitland instructor that knows Michael. And uh, Maitland really was open to letting chiropractors take their course at this conference for the first time. So as far as I know, no chiros have taken a Maitland course yet. 
So if you're uh, a Cairo and you're going to this event, you got to put on a good show, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of, I think why you and I are talking is I want people like us, the like minds, because, you know, we want to put forth good effort because this could open the door um, to, you know, not, not just Maitland, but also Shirley Sarman. She said that she's probably had less than 20 Kairos take her courses in all the years that she's been teaching. And oh, wow. so, yeah, these these people are open to us taking their courses. We just have to step up and take advantage of it. Yeah, and if anyone's taken a McGill course, uh, the Maitland approach is very similar in a lot of degrees, um, but not just low back centric or whatnot. It, it's really an open investigation, open investigative model of this sort of a clinical audit process. You know, mm-hmm. it can really tie in a lot of loose ends for you if if you haven't been able to tie those loose ends together. Absolutely. And they just do a really good job of putting out uh, research in the physical therapy realm. So obviously good stuff. And the last name is Warren Hammer. He is teaching uh, stucco fascial manipulation at the conference. It's uh, those are four of probably the most interesting approaches all in one, one week. Is it just one weekend? Is it three days or two days? Uh, so Friday is a panel day. So each speaker is going to talk a little bit about their technique and the current evidence. And then Friday afternoon is going to be case studies and clinical discussion because I really want people to get some value out of like when and why would I use this technique? And then Saturday and Sunday are courses. Great. Uh, what, what's the date? June 21st through the 23rd That's amazing. in Chicago at the Congress Hotel. Uh, do you have yourself a website for it yet? We do. So the website uh, is moduseducation.com backslash PMM. And for all you FTCA listeners and the folks that are in the FTCA Facebook group and have access to the website, we have multiple event calendars that have this information on there as well. So you can get connected with all that. Um, what do you hope happens? Because I know as I plan events, there's it's one thing to get the event going and the ball rolling and then you push go and then now you can people can buy tickets and, and all the pictures are up on the website and all that. But underneath all that, we always hope something magical will happen. What is, what is your magic that you hope happens here? Yeah, well, one, I think one of the big ones is that, you know, PTs and Kairos alike are going to be at this conference. And I would say this conference as of now, like we have verbal agreements from Athletico and a couple other large PT organizations um, to send, you know, to send their therapists. And so, you know, this is a chance to really, you know, get together with some of the top names and the bigger companies and PT and for Kairos really show like who and what we are and what we're about nowadays. And so, yeah, I think really building networks together and collaborating is one of my, my big goals. But then also, too, is, again, going back to the efficiency. When would I use Stecco? When would I use movement system impairment? When would I use neurodynamics? And when would I choose maintenance? You know, as it pertains to low back pain is I want people to have a little bit clearer clinical audit process as to, you know, when and why they would choose certain techniques. Sure, sure. Uh, I had a, there was a funny incident about a year ago. I was, I sponsored a powerlifting meet 
and uh, they put my little booth right next to the PT company's booth. I think we even shared the same table, just split in half. And, you know, the owner of the PT company was offended beyond all get out. <laughs> and he had his two, his two young PTs there working the booth and I was working my end of the booth and whatnot. And, uh, eventually when their boss wasn't looking, they started asking questions, you know, what do you do about this and how do you approach this? And they were like, Oh, you're, you know, you, you're certified in McKinsey as well. I'm like, well, not certified, but I've definitely taken the course. I've taken A and B and all this and Oh yeah, I'd approach it this way. And, and, uh, Oh, you know how, you know, um, nerve mobilizations too, and this and that and the other. I'm like, yeah, yeah. They're like, wow, we do the same. You know, it was them that were shocked that we do the same stuff, you know? And eventually mm -hmm. they started coming around and asking questions and realized that we have knowledge that they don't. And they were really intrigued at that point. Once, once we got to that point, uh, I think I made new little best friends because they didn't understand the differences. And I, I think understanding some of the, the structural differences to the professions like, uh, yeah, the reason why you hear some things about chiropractic is a lot of people self, they, what, the problem they had was they were like, well, how do you get people to appreciate what you do? I was like, what do you mean? Like, it, it seems like people like visiting chiropractors and they, they enjoy their time there and they, they actually want to go. And they said, we, we, we're stuck with a bunch of people that never want to be here. <laughs> I go, well, it's self-selection, my friends. Like people choose to be at chiropractors a lot of times. A lot of times they're not, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word forced, but sort of mandated by a physician to go see, you know, you're getting people who didn't want to be there. They were told to be there. And we get almost the opposite. We might see a smaller group, but we see a group that generally for the most part wants to be in the office. So, so for the most part, they, they enjoy the experience if we give them an enjoyable experience and get some results. And they were like, oh, like it, there's no magic. We're not giving them magic words or there's no lollipop at the end of the visit that, you know, we're not selling them anything that you wouldn't sell them as well. It's just that some of these people actually really want to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And I would have to say, too, that, you know, a lot of the patients that walk in my office have been a lot of other places a lot totally. and they you know and so when people come in our door and i take the time just to sit down and listen to them and educate them on the process it's i can't tell you how many times a patient's walked in my door and no one has sat with them and w looked at their mri and gone through it with them you know they just said oh no big deal or oh you have this and they kind of shoot them away and unfortunately our healthcare system in my opinion just is so bogged down that a lot of doctors just unfortunately you know, and I don't want to say it's an excuse or it's not an excuse, but they don't have enough time to sit down and educate people. And at our practice, that's one of the priorities is, you know, when people walk out the door day one, they know more than they did when they walked in. It's, it's, um, yeah, not an excuse. It, I think if you asked most physicians, primarily the family care physicians and, and, uh, and inter internal medicine specialists and things of that nature, if you ask them if they could get paid the same but spend more time with patients, they would take it every time. Absolutely. And they um, just uh, don't have enough time. It's just the system as it's sort of set up at the moment. It's not perfect. It's not great. But I think everyone's pretty, pretty aware of what the problem is. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way it's kind of set up at the moment mm -hmm. to keep the lights on and whatnot. And we keep our lights on the other way. We, we really throw our lot into empathy and patient-centered care and, and, and uh, making sure that because uh, people who see us have tend to have 
have failed at other places a lot, making sure that we cover those bases. Yeah, and you're really starting to see the more and more research coming out on patient-centered care, which is something I think chiropractors have done well for a long time. And now other professions are starting to realize like when you individualize and personalize and allow the patient to be a part of the care, the outcomes are better. We had here while I was a student, Western States Chiropractic College, and I'll, I'll paraphrase it. it. It didn't go exactly like this, but it went somewhat like this. The medical school here, uh, Oregon Health and Science University, they, they recognized, and I think they did a, a, a study where they had a patient in one of those glass two-way mirror rooms, and their, their medical students were to go into the room and then deliver a diagnosis to the patient who was obviously an actor. And they would say, okay, so in room one, you have a colon cancer. You must now go in there and say that they have three months to live. And then they watched how the student pulled it off. And I wouldn't say it was horrible, but I'd say it probably wasn't impressive. And then uh, in, yeah. in our city, we have the pleasure, as probably Chicago does as well, of having multiple different types of professional schools. And they brought in the chiropractic student and the naturopathic student and the oriental medicine student. And they had them conduct the same approach. And they found that uh, we'll take chiropractic specifically. The, the chiropractic students were much more empathetic in delivering this news. So a lot of the MDs students, for for instance, would hand the patient a brochure, sort of tap them on the shoulder and be like, if you need anything else, uh, please just talk to the nurse. I'm really sorry. Blah, blah, blah. We'll get you scheduled. And then the, the chiropractic student would really like hold hands and sit eye to eye with the patient and, and hug them and do things like that. And um, the medical school identified that as an issue for their students. And they really tried to bring patient-centered empathy into their, into their studies. I don't know how that worked out in the long run. We're talking 15 years later. Uh, but for a time, they did absolutely identify that we had an upper hand in that scenario. Yeah, and, you know, it's something that we talk about in our office a little bit as well is just, you know, putting your hands on a patient is a powerful thing. And, you know, that actually for me was, you know, taught to me in chiropractic school, but reinforced by one of my mentors, Robert Lardner, a physical therapist. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, the power of the hand extends very much beyond the physical things that you can do for people. And it's something that stuck with me through and through. And, you know, same thing when I'm having a difficult conversation with somebody, just the hand on the shoulder, unbelievably powerful in my opinion. Contextual effects, right? And, um, you know, some people ascribe that to the placebo effect, but that's not what it is. But we won't, we don't need to get there because we'll start bringing up some subjects that get dark with yeah. you skeptics out there that I know aren't listening to this show. Um <laughs> So when these people come together and everybody starts to commiserate and they start to realize that we all speak the same language, um, what happens then? How do we convert? Let me say how, how this happens. Is there going to be, have you thought out a process where somewhere in this event we say what happens next or is there going to be a next? Is it really just have this event happen and then we'll see what people feel? That's a great question. And I have thought a lot about it and I'm open to suggestions, uh, definitely. So if anybody out there has ideas, like shoot them my way, I'm more than happy to, to take suggestions. But, you know, one thing for me is I find, again, it's 
you know, a lot of times, you know, this is not the first conference to have PTs and Kairos together at oh, the sure. same thing. Right. So like, I think what sets it apart is um, having like two of the thought leaders in the PT world there that, you know, typically haven't had a lot of Kairos there and having Kairos like us is going to put out some discussions that more than likely either haven't been had before or will be had in a slightly different way and then building relationships. So like I mentioned, you know, Athletico, they're one of the largest providers for physical therapy in Chicago. And I think they have over 2000 providers. And so, you know, my job personally is going to be, you know, if I find docs from the area, introducing them to some of the local PTs that I know practice in that area and seeing if we can relationship build. You nailed it. And even uh, I've had Craig Levinson tell me before, it's not the event and it's not about seminars and teaching. It's, it's about the conversations that happen around it yep. and, and the relationships you build along the way. And I think uh, when I see young people go to events and they're sort of dismayed that they didn't learn some sort of zinger, that weekend that they could use immediately. It's, it's, it's not about the zingers. Sometimes it's just about making connections, connecting the dots and starting to see people and, and form conversations. And as you get older as a, as a professional, for the young people listening, you start to figure that out. You're going to these events to, to do what, what, was, what Dr. Bob just said, which is make connections and, and make associations in the long run. Yeah, and the other thing that I see a lot, I mean, I've taken a, like you, a lot of seminars is when people go to seminars, they tend to stay in their comfort zone with their friends or the people yeah. that they know. Yeah. Or if they have one partner at the beginning, they keep that partner the whole time. And that's something that I personally work on every seminar I go to is changing partners or looking for the most awkward guy in the room and walking over and introducing myself and starting to try and get to know that person to build a relationship. And you know, if, if you come to this conference, you're probably going to see me pulling people out of their comfort zones and saying, Hey, come meet this person. Come meet that person. Come meet that person. Because how do you know if you can build a relationship with somebody if you haven't even introduced yourself? Right. Lesson for life, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, step outside your comfort zone and, you know, start talking to somebody you don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to segue this. Um, as we get closer to the finish line to performance from rehab to performance. And, uh, and I don't have a way to segue it. I'm not, I'm not as deft today in my interviewing skills as I would like to be. I just be like, uh, what is you define rehab to performance to, to me, tell me what it looks like, how you utilize the idea where it becomes a valuable tool and why uh, we should really care. Yeah. So for me, rehab and performance are really the same thing. Uh, you know, if, if you're rehabbing somebody, you are helping them perform better at their daily life. Um, and some people, like I was working with a professional powerlifter earlier today, he obviously performs at a different level than seven year old Sally Sue. But really for me, it's me matching or meeting that person where they're at and applying said rehab or said exercise or said principle accordingly. And so, you know, I personally really like working with the high level athletes like many people do, but I really get excited about just, you know, even helping, you know, I have this lady, she's in her mid seventies and she wants to be able to dance 
great. So that's performance in me. It's not just rehab. You know, it's she she has to perform that activity. And uh, again, in that task. And to me, you know, it's almost as exciting as as the pro powerlifter. What percentage of your personal patients in your practice would you, when I define performance, I would be like, at some point in time in their hobby or their career, they are at 100% maximum effort. And how many people are, are living a life of sub-maximal effort? Honestly, I would say the vast majority, in my opinion, are living at sub-maximal effort. Yeah. And for me, it's just because we're, we're imperfect as humans. I try to explain to those folks. I try to say you got to at least one, and I just made up a number because, and for some people, I might make up a different number. I'm just trying to motivate them to experience life on a different level through their nervous system. And I might say, you know, uh, uh, Jim, at least once this week, get to 100%. I don't know what it is, if it's just sprinting for 50 feet. If it's lifting something as heavy as you think you possibly can for one rep, it, whatever it is, I just think the nervous system demands that you have the lion chase you periodically, almost as a neurological reset, so that your body knows what the lion chasing you actually is, so that you don't think sitting in traffic is the lion chasing you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we ask a similar question What'd you do this week to push your limits? Yeah. See, dude, you know, that's, you know, that's why we all have to sit together and talk because I would never think of something that easy. Mm-hmm. I always got to go into this big, long metaphor of something when it's so simple. But if we don't talk to each other, we don't know those sort of things. Like, oh man, now I can use that. Yeah. And, and I'm an analogy guy. I think people really relate to analogies, especially if you have a like one that applies to them. So example, I have this 82 year old man who went jet skiing in Florida several years ago. And I saw him about a week. Yeah. He, he saw him about a week after he came back and he goes, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that, <laughs> but I didn't even really think about it. I just did it. And for me, isn't that what life's about? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Wayne Dyer, he's an old self-help sort yep. of like mm-hmm. guy. He used to say that all the time. He, he was gardening and he jumped over the fence cause he, he, something fell on the other side of the fence and he just, bunny hopped right over the picket fence and his wife's like you can't do that you're too old and he said oh i forgot and, that's, yeah. and then he goes on to his whole like it's your it's your purpose to forget yeah so i, I kind of use i use that analogy a lot especially with my middle older pop is what do you want to be able to do and not have to think twice about it because that's our goal right now like it's not like can you stand up for five minutes it's no like do you want to lift your 80 pound kid off the floor or whatever, you know, like what do you want to be able to do and not have to think twice about it because let's make that happen. Well, that leads me into a a good question that this is a question I've been asking a lot of rehab folks lately. And it's something that uh, Craig Lehmanson hinted on, but we didn't really drill down on it. And it's this idea of rehab purgatory, this idea that we continually apply more and more rehabilitation to our patients instead of honing down, and giving a laser drill for what the person needs. Do you, do you admit that, you, no, <laughs> yeah. you think about this, con- like, do you see it? Do you see it with people where they're just, you know, um, one of the, one of the gripes against chiropractic was sort of this continual constant hands-on care, like, right, keep coming back in for your adjustments. But now we start to see people who are on this rehab to performance spectrum who are like the corrective exercise endless cycle. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, so 
Yeah. And I, I'll admit I've been through that phase myself as well. I think you have to and start so, there because you don't really know what you're looking for sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And you really want to, you know, you get out of school and you have all these tools and you want to fix people and you want to, you know, you want to spend an hour with everybody and do 10 exercises and, yeah. you know, it's just not practical. And so for me recently, you know, and I tell patients this is I want to give you simple, practical solutions to your problems. And then I want you to be able to assess for and treat your own problems with the least amount of effort needed. So I tell people, my goal is for you to fix any problem in like 60 seconds or less. And if that's not possible, well, maybe a couple more minutes. But like, again, if it's not simple and practical, what's the point? Because you're not more than likely probably not going to do it. You know, not everybody has the time and the willpower to sit down every day for 30 minutes and run through a routine. So, and so does DNS help you do that? Yeah. You know, DNS, um, you know, Mackenzie, I recently took a MoveNet course and I got a ton out of that, you know, so MoveNet is basically, you know, how to move naturally in the wilderness. And, you know, we went over even just simple balancing drills. Uh So, you know, I have one of like some of my people just, you know, when they're walking into target balance on the cracks. Yep. You know, and it's just little things like that to help themselves along the way. So, you know, I'm a big fan of saying, you know, a lot of little things, if done consistently over time, create big results. And that doesn't have to be coming in here and doing rehab all the time. And so for me lately, I've, I've been really just streamlined my processes. Can you hip hinge? Well, can you squat? Well, can you reach over your head? Well, you yep, know, I'm, and starting I'm, there. I'm, yep. I'm there. One, one to two things, one to two things we're going to hit. We're going to be really good at these one to two things. Yeah. And once they're good at those one to two things, if life's good, great. Come back when something else pops up, you know, if, if they're a high level performance athlete, like my power lifter, I have to get into more of those fine tuned details, which is fine too. But again, you know, my, I feel like my job isn't to just bog people down with more and more and more. It's like, you know, here's, here's some stuff, go have fun with it, go work on it. When you're ready for something else, come on back in. Yeah. In the famous words of the internet, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I also, I'm a, you know, I think people should understand how to assess and treat themselves like appropriately as well. So if they're coming in for, you know, low back pain, my job is to give them a couple different tools to deal with that. And I, I honestly think that 75 or 80% of little flare-ups along the way can be self-treated with what we teach them in here at home. And that also makes the, uh, it empowers the patient to understand that when they can't um, solve, then they know they need you to reassess and come up with a new solution. Correct. Yeah. And that, that goes back to some of my, you know, McKenzie training as well as, you know, patient empowerment is a vastly underutilized tool in many offices. Yeah, but you touch patients, so it's not real McKenzie. You're not supposed to touch patients. That's yeah. too much context for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we won't we you know, we don't have to necessarily get We don't, but I we don't, but I do. <laughs> yeah, so you know, again, this is kind of some of the conference as well as Michael Shackock and I've talked a lot about, you know, non-specific low back pain and and Stu McGill will tell you there is no such thing. Right. Right. And so manual therapy, if applied specifically and appropriately, 
absolutely has a place. And I think too many times people just rub this and rub that and they're not being specific with their treatments. And so they're like, like, why are you doing what you're doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the ama- it, it is a brave new world for chiropractic, but one of the amazing things about our profession, and this also goes to the PTs that are listening and, and our brothers across the aisle in the PT profession and sisters, is like the road to mastery is long and has many twists and turns, and it's really exciting. And none of us will get to the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's the more I know, the less I know. Awesome, dude. You know, that... Yeah, no, it's totally true. Um, but I think if people go to uh, this uh, Pillars of Manual Medicine, it's, it should be a pretty epic. I, I, I'm, I have no problem promoting this event because I think it's going to be absolutely epic. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so give out the website one more time so people can find it. I don't think you want to miss this. And I imagine there's not a whole lot of seats. You know, you're not filling a room of a thousand, I would imagine. So these tickets aren't going to last forever. Yeah, correct. And that's kind of the point of it is we're, we're keeping really keeping attendance to a minimum to try and maximize that, make sure everybody gets, you know, good bang for their buck out of it. So the website again is Modus Education. That's M-O-T as in Tom U-S education.com backslash P-M-M. And the dates... Dates uh, June 21st through the 23rd in Chicago, Illinois at the Congress Hotel. Uh, pricing currently is uh, $8.50 for all three days. And, um, you know, pricing, we do have some tiered pricing, so it does go up. Uh, so if you, you know, want to get the best deal, definitely sign up as soon as you can. And uh, we will be putting out a special code for the FTCA pretty quick here to be able to give you guys a little bit of money off. Awesome. I appreciate that. I think those folks so, will appreciate it. Why modus? Why, why, uh, why? Modus means progress in Latin. All right. All right. So for me, it's all about making progress and just keep pushing forward and really not looking behind us. All right. You got it. It's been a pleasure. You are a consummate professional and uh, you nailed it, my friend. People are going to be asking you questions. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time and for the opportunity. And man, I think you, I just want to give you a shout out as well. You've done a great job with the FTCA and I'm really excited to be a part of it. And um, yeah, man, excited for the future of our profession. I think there's just only great things to come. I hope people can appreciate that I'm an eternal skeptic. I'm always, uh, and a cynic, I'm always thinking of what, what to do better. So that doesn't always come across as the the nicest person in the world because sometimes like come on y'all get your crap together, um, but but in, in down deep down inside none of this would be here if I didn't care, if I didn't care Absolutely. about the, the the people that we serve and care about the people who do the serving. So so uh, hopefully we 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 keep building these great great relationships and we keep building great great events so we can do awesome things for people. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's guys like, you know, you and me and some of these, you know, some of the other docs out there that got to step up because, you know, our mentors can't keep doing all the work for us forever. Hey, these people that we love, like these people that are going to be at Pillars of Manual Medicine, they, uh, they did their work. They've been doing their work for decades. They cannot do it forever. And um, who, we, who are we going to look up to when the giants that we stand on um, 
aren't there to stand on anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everybody can do their part, you know, big or small. Uh, so, you know, when you see your opportunity, you just got to step forward and take advantage of it. Oh, there's some, there's some sort of motivational song to drop on the end. If I had some sort of copyrights yeah. to it, <laughs> this podcast. Um, Let's get it. I want to ask you after this event, I want to have you back on and see what kind of things you've sort of absorbed from it. Uh, see if you Absolutely. learned any lessons along the way. And, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. And I, I, I don't, I would love to be there and I'll, I'm going to definitely try to be there, but if not, I'll try to uh, uh, offer you some advice from afar. So, sounds great. I, I am a willing and accepting, accepting participant of advice. So bring it on, man. More is merrier. All right, Dr. Bob, you take it easy. Thank you very much, Dr. Bob. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, bye. Dun, dun, dun. It's been a while since we've done a pain zone finish. Uh, we've had a couple long podcasts previously, so we, we haven't been able to wrap up with a, an official pain zone finish. Brought to you by pain zone uh, in a, quite a while. Uh, while we're at it, make sure you check out Pain Zone's new product and get some free samples. Get to ipainzone.com and handle that business. Uh, Pain Zone finish, you know, the interview with Dr. Newhaven was great. Uh, it, it came on the heels of my trip to the World Federation of Chiropractic slash European Chiropractic Union joint meeting in Berlin about a month ago, a couple weeks ago. And there, right now, there's a lot of talk about uh, divorce and splitting the profession and, um, you know, uh, sort of changing the landscape of the profession. And I don't really care where you stand on it, uh, uh, on that topic. I think we, we have to uh, always progress. I think that's the nature of living and humanity and life and professionalism and all those things. Um, but for the people who do feel that we do need to change to to a more um, progressive type of profession, and obviously I'm in that camp, duh, this is the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance podcast. One of my hallmarks is that you've got to produce more content than your opponent. And if you want to think of straight chiropractic as your quote-unquote opponent, but really anyone can be an opponent, your competitor down the street, uh, different profession, um, skeptics, uh, you know, uh, any sort of thing, or or the people within your profession that that sort of are diametrically opposed to the way you think of things. The way to beat them is not to complain, and it's not to um, argue, and it's not to uh, try to sabotage them, which which definitely goes on in this profession as well. It's just to outproduce them with quality things like quality content, quality education, quality events. Uh, and that's one of the really the, one of the reasons why I promote things so much on this podcast and, and promote events and promote people who are on events and put on events myself is because I think the real victory or, or where the battle is won is not in dividing the profession and it's not in hushing or giving no platform to one person or the other. It's just to outproduce uh, your competitor with quality material and quality content that people respond to that is ethical. And of course, absolutely is also evidence-based. So 
that's where I stand. And obviously, Dr. Newhaven's there as well, producing and collaborating and including many great speakers and um, clinicians into his educational programs. Uh, we have to make things better than the people that we want to be better than. That's how you um, or, or get better than them. So let's do that. Um, and I'll see you at Forward 2019. Take care.